0: As George would say, wow, isn't it amazing that our eternal King God calls us friend and dwells us with the Holy Spirit and calls out to us, you're forgiven, now come home. Amen? Amen. Please turn in your Bibles to First Samuel chapter 1. First Samuel chapter 1. It is indeed Mother's Day, as you know, and I'd like... Um, I'd like to start this morning with uh, sharing a few things with you that my mother taught me. Maybe you can relate to this. I don't know. One thing my mother taught me was religion. Did your mothers teach you religion? She taught me religion when she said, you better pray that comes out of the carpet. (laughs) My mother taught me logic. How about yours? Because I said so, that's why. How about this one? You all know this one. Did your mothers teach you foresight? You all know this one. Make sure your underwear is clean in case you're in an accident. It's universal. Here's one for you chemists, you biologists, you physicists. My mother taught me about the science of osmosis. If you don't know what that means, this won't be funny. Just laugh and fake it. Keep your mouth shut and eat your supper. (laughs) Half of you will rush home, grab Webster's, and look up osmosis. You'll laugh later. My mother taught me about stamina. How about yours? You will sit there until those lima beans are gone. My mother taught me about anticipation. You know this one, too. Just wait until your father gets home. My mother taught me about my roots. Close that door behind you. Were you born in a barn? One more, I promise. My mother taught me about justice. You know this one too. One day when you have kids, I hope they turn out just like you. Tongue in cheek, of course. Let's applaud for mothers just in case I offended anyone. I'd like to share with you this morning one of my favorite Bible stories. It's one of my favorites for many reasons. The reason it's my favorite this morning is because of the mother in the story, in the story. Her name is Hannah, and she is the mother of Shemuel, the prophet, Samuel, the prophet, and the last judge of Israel. Your Bibles are open to 1 Samuel 1, and I'll begin reading at verse 1. Now, there was a certain man from Ramat Haim Zophim, from the hill country of Ephraim. And his name was Elkanah, the son of Yeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Tzuf, an Ephraimite, probably of the tribe of Levi living in Ephraim. He had two wives. Right away, there's a foreshadowing in the Bible that trouble is coming. Whenever you I, whenever you read in the Bible, he had two wives, or there, there is trouble brewing, you look. He had two wives. The name of one was Hanah, and the name of the other, Penina. And Paninah had children, but Hanah had no children. Again, you get the idea, the author is telling you, trouble's brewing. Now this man would go up from his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of Hosts. This is the first time in the Bible we get this title for God, Lord of Hosts. Biblical exegetes call this first use. We've been reading from Genesis until now. It's the first time we see it. Probably, usually, first use, something really God is trying to emphasize in His Word. In this case, we'll see in a minute, Lord of Hosts is that title of God's ultimate sovereignty and power and control. And Elkanah would go to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. The Ark of the Covenant was in Shiloh at that time. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas were priests to the Lord there. When, they, when the day came that Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had closed her womb. Her rival, however, would provoke her bitterly to irritate her, because the Lord had closed her womb. It happened year after year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she would provoke her. So she wept and would not eat. Okay, gentlemen, husbands especially, get ready to duck. Verse 8. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hana. Why do you weep, and why do you not eat, and and why is your heart sad? Am I not better to you than ten sons? Oh, Elkanah, I see serious marital counseling in your future. Yeah, and we all laugh, but gentlemen, have you been there? Wives, have you been there? You're really hurting about something and Mr. Man comes up. Why are you? You have me. You say, well, you've been a little hard on Elkanah, maybe, but maybe not. You say, look at verse five. Pastor says he loved her and, and he gave her a double portion of the sacrificial meat. Now. Maybe he means well and maybe that sounds kind. But you have to wonder, did did that add maybe to Panina's spite and bitterness against Hana that Elkanah was treating her better? The Bible frowns on favoritism and we may have a story here showing why at least in this, it's a bad idea. Elkanah's wife is is heartbroken, get this. Hannah is heartbroken over not having any children, and just like a man, right ladies? Oh, you don't feel good? here. He gives her an extra chunk of lamb to eat. There, there you go, have that extra steak. That'll make you feel better. Oh, Elkanah. And reading this story this morning or before, have you ever asked yourself, does it cross your mind, did Elkanah take a second wife Because Hanah was barren? You ever thought about that? We don't know for sure who he married first, but Hanah is listed first, which is a huge clue for biblical Jewish writers. The whole situation, doesn't it, it sounds a little bit like Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar, doesn't it? Is Elkanah like, like Sarah and Abraham trying to take matters into his own hands? Trying to to, to fix the problem himself rather than patiently relying on the sovereignty of God. Even if that means a, a, a life without children and simply empathizing and loving his wife, Hannah. Maybe that's why that title, Lord of Hosts, God's sovereignty shows up here for the first time. God's sovereignty in contrast, perhaps, with Elkanah's attempt to control the situation. The attempt that that leads to to one provoked woman, Paninah, and and another woman, Hannah, heartbroken. The name Elkanah means God has created. Has Elkanah forgotten his own name by attempting to take God's creating role in his own hands? And making a bit of a mess of it? No, I I don't think Alkanaz doing real well here. He may mean well, but ouch. Now men, fathers in particular, don't worry. I'll pick a kinder and gentler passage on Father's Day next month, I promise. But I mention these things today to suggest to you that Hanah's pain here is even more profound, if you can imagine, even more profound than not having children or having a bitter rival. Her husband doesn't get it. Elkanah doesn't get her, it seems. And so even beyond the loneliness of an empty womb, Hannah is completely alone. You see, Hana's rival here isn't really Panina. Panina isn't helping matters, but she's really not the problem. And it isn't really her well-intending but perhaps bumbling husband, Elkanah. Now, Elkanah isn't helping matters either, but he's really not the problem. Hana's real problem here, her real rival, is sin and chaos and living in a fallen world where, unfortunately, sometimes women can't conceive. And God warned the human race of this. Remember, He tells Eve in Genesis 3, there will be great pain in bearing children. The Hebrew there is much broader than simply the act of giving birth, as painful as that is, as I know you ladies could testify if you've had kids today. The the Hebrew is broader than that. Childbearing in Hebrew is broad enough to include every difficulty, anything you can imagine concerning and surrounding being a mom and, and raising kids. It's even broad enough, childbearing. To include its beginning and, and, and that pain even in trying to conceive in a fallen world. Because of the fall, ladies, especially for you, all things children from, from conception or even just before conception like Hannah, from conception to grave and, and everything in between are going to include a lot of pain for you, ladies especially. Things as, as simple as the pain you feel over your little boy's scraped knees. Or more serious, the pain that your daughter's broken heart. How about this one? The, the pain of, of a child leaving home for school or for marriage. Now, of course, mom's, you're glad that they could go and have that opportunity and that they're being married and, and all of that. But there's pain there, isn't it? When that daily contact with those precious children turns into weekly and monthly and maybe two or three times a year, depending. That's painful, isn't it? Or the pain of a child who, who doesn't know or, or, or walks away from God. God. And for some, like Hannah here, the, the pain of not being able to conceive. Hannah's most serious rival is not Penina, Alkanah, or even an empty womb. It's sin. And living in a fallen world. And in her lonely despair, in her very personal battle concerning children in a fallen world, what does Hannah do? She prays. Hanana turns to that sovereign Lord of hosts in earnest, desperate prayer. Let's see, beginning at verse 9. Then Hannah rose after eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting in the, on the seat by the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She, greatly distressed, prayed to the Lord and, and wept bitterly. She made a vow and said, O oh, Lord of hosts, there it is again. If you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant three times there, boy Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar, echoes of the maid-servant picture in the text. If you'll give your maidservant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. And a razor shall never come on his head. A Nazarite vow, probably much like Samson. And now it came about as she continued praying before the Lord that Ali was watching her mouth. As for Hana, she was speaking in her heart. Only her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. So Ali thought she was drunk. Then Ali said to her, How long will you make yourself drunk? Put away your wine from you. But Hana replied, No, my Lord, I am a woman oppressed in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant as a worthless woman, for I have spoken until now out of my great concern and provocation. Then Ali answered and said, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant your petition that you have asked of him. She said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. These are the very words of God. Amen? Amen. When it comes to children, Hannah prays. She prays so hard, Eli Eli thinks she's intoxicated. Now when When's the last time you prayed so hard that someone watching you might think there's something wrong with you? Your prayer is is that uninhibited, that desperate, that honest, that raw, that real before the Sovereign Lord of hosts. That's what happens especially when you've got nothing left and Hannah's got nothing left. Look at the description that the author of 1 Samuel gives us in a real tight area of a few verses of what Hannah is going through. She weeps bitterly. She can hardly eat. Elkanah, her husband, doesn't understand or or empathize with her. Her heart's sad. She's greatly distressed. She feels afflicted and forgotten. She's oppressed in spirit. She has great concern and she's bitterly provoked. Wow. Hannah's all alone. And so she prays. When it comes to children, Chana pours out her soul. Nefesh in Hebrew. Her very will and drive to live. She pours that out and gives that and puts that before God. Pours out her soul before the Lord. And the lesson this morning that God put on my heart to share with you is just that. When it comes to children especially, A mother prays. Even a would-be mother. Indeed, when it comes to children, women especially pray. Because, ladies, whether or not you have children, in my opinion, there is something of a mother's heart in you simply because God made you a woman. You alone, between male and female, have that capacity, that engineering, if you will, to partner with God in creating life. Not too many men I know do. Something about a woman that especially feels this caring, nurturing tug for children. And when it comes to children especially, women with their mother's hearts pray. And so ladies, do you? Do you pray over children? Your own children or even children in general? When it comes to children especially, do you pray And men, do you support and empathize with a woman's heart, a mother's heart, when it comes to children? Do you pray over our beautiful, precious women? I mean, guys, can we fight through that inclination that perhaps some of us at some time at least share with Elkanah? That first instinct, perhaps, that that wants to ask, what's wrong with these women? Why can't they just be happy? After all, they've got me. Can we fight through that, men? Real men do. Can we fight through that, men, and instead pray over our women and children? Empathize with them. What jumps out from this text? One thing does. Why isn't Elkanah praying with Hanah for heaven's sake? He's telling her about himself and giving her meat. Why ain't he there praying with her or even praying alone for her? Shouldn't he be? Guys, when it comes to our women and children especially, do you pray? This morning, I've invited today some kids from downstairs to join us. Lord willing, they're at the door. I see Cassie. That's a good sign. Come on in, kids. Come on in. And I've asked them to come on in. Go ahead. You can jog it a little bit. I've asked them to come on in and just spread out in the center aisle and maybe the aisle that cuts us front and back. Would you guys come? And as they're doing that, I'd like to invite anyone here who is 17 and younger. 17 and younger, would you also join them just, go ahead, stand up in the middle aisles and in the aisles that separate us front to back, please. Don't be shy. This is your one and only chance to run in church. Go ahead, join them in the aisles. 17 and under, please. Awesome. You can spread out. It's okay. Good. And as they're getting in place, next, ladies, would you please stand, make your way to an aisle, ladies, and get to where you're surrounding these kids or as close as you can and and try to reach out and touch a a child on a shoulder as we pray over them in a minute, at least the the, the children that aren't too shy. (laughs) Ladies, would you do that, please? Thank you. Awesome. It's all right. If you can't get closer than where you are, that's fine. Just try to reach someone. And if the lady's closest to the kids, if you can see that maybe each child perhaps is touched on a shoulder. Kids, you can touch one another on a shoulder. That'd be great. Okay, men, you're next. You can't just sit there with the clicker. Let's go. Get up. Would you surround these, our women, please? Please. Maybe put a hand on her shoulder as we pray over our kids and our mothers, men. All right, as you're there or making your way, let, let's bow our heads in prayer, shall we? Father in heaven, we we thank you for the gift of both men and women. Thanks for creating us male and female. What a blessing, Father. And today, especially, Father, we bless your name for the the gift of women who have a mother's praying heart. And we thank you for the gift of the great blessing of children. And like Hannah, Father, we earnestly pray for our kids. And now, with your heads still bowed, I I invite all the adults here this morning to, to pray these words after me. Would you please? Father in heaven, we thank you for these children. We thank you for those dedicated today and for those standing here before us. We pray for their protection. We pray that they would know You as God. And that they would know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Oh, and Father, we pray that You would equip them in love. Equip them, Father, to love. To love You with all their heart and soul and might. And to love others as themselves. That through their love of you and others, the world may know there is a God. And there is salvation in Jesus' name. Father, we bless these, our children, in your name. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You may find your seats again. Kids, as soon as the Red Sea parts, you can find your way back down to your classes. Thank you, Cassie and teachers, for the blessing of praying over our kids. As you're finding your seats, as the kids are leaving there's a video that I came across this past week I, I'd like to share with you in closing this morning. I've got a few words after, but so we won't be here much longer. As soon as you're settled, we'll watch it. And maybe some of the memories that you have of your mother are, are like this. See what you think. If your mom um, is still living. If you're not already planning on it. um, Would you consider going and seeing her? Or at least calling her if she's too far away today. Would you consider that? I, I know that's difficult for some of you to even think about perhaps. But... Would you consider doing that and maybe just telling her you love her? Or maybe even, um, Mom, I'm, I'm grateful to you for, for giving me life. Or maybe that you're praying for and that you deeply appreciate her prayers for you. And if you can, before you call or visit, You know, think of a a fond memory you have of her when you were a child and just share that with her. I'm blessed um, to have my mom here this morning. Wave, Mom. Mom, I love you. (laughs) Thanks for giving me life. And thanks for your prayers for me. Don't stop praying, and I'll continue to pray for you. I tell you something about my mom. Mom, do you remember we lived on when we lived on Thirty Ninth Street back in Holland, Michigan, the home of the Detroit Red Wings? <laughs> yes, got that in. Oh. Um. I'll never forget this. And this is something that happened 25 years ago. Um, a girl had just broken up with me, a girlfriend. That happened a lot to me growing up. <laughs> and I was devastated. And um, I came home just weeping and crying and sobbing and you remember, Mom? And we sat on the you know, the couch in the living room and I just I poured out my heart to this amazing woman and you know what she did? She just listened. She didn't tell me, Oh Todd, you have no idea what love is. She didn't run down this girlfriend and say I was better off without her. She didn't say anything. She just listened. You just listened, Mom, and you heard me, the real me. And that's such a huge blessing. Thank you for that, for always listening. You know, one of the, um, one of the toughest things for me about speaking on Mother's Day is that I know this day is extremely painful for many of you guys, many of you ladies, especially. Many of you don't have a mom where you could say things like that. And as you watch that video, it either tore you up or... you cynicism within you just kind of wrote it off as what kind of cheesy thing is that to protect yourself from pain. Some of you, no doubt, are not able to have children or you're having difficulty conceiving like Hannah. Or maybe you've lost a child. Something a parent should never have to go through. Or maybe you lost a mom at an age much, much too young. Or maybe the memories you have of your own mom are extremely, at best, difficult for a variety of other reasons and you can't even think of or don't want to try to think of of one fond memory. Maybe something's going on in your family right now. Happened this morning, happened last week, happened last month, and it's just eating you alive. And so Mother's Day is a tough, tough day for you. You know, if that's you here this morning, I am so deeply sorry for your pain. And I want you to know that you are loved. We love you. And I want you to know That the Lord of hosts is a loving God who loves you deeper still. And He's a God that hears your prayers. So whether or not you, you feel like celebrating today, it's the invitation that God put on my heart this week to give to you, to invite you, even to plead with you, to pray about it. Pour out your soul to the Lord of hosts like Hannah did. Don't hold back praises, requests, joy, heartache. Give it all to God. Throw it all into His throne room. He can handle it. He wants it. Hannah did. And we should too. God hears all our prayers. But throughout the Bible, I. I must say, you check me, you look it up. Boy, God seems to have an extra special heart for the prayers of women and mothers for children. Over and over and over and over, He hears them. And He'll hear you. He promised. And promises. Do you know what Hana means in Hebrew? Hanah means grace. Can you believe it? (laughs) What a coincidence. Not. Grace prayed to a gracious God and God gave grace to grace. I love that. And you know what Samuel means, Shemuel? Well, Elkanah, God has created, and Hana, grace, named their son. His name is God. Do you think Elkanah and Hanah realized who answered Hanah's prayer? You might even say that when Elkanah and Hanah got together, when God has created and grace got together, or maybe even when God created in grace, or when God graciously created, the world discovers and sees that His name is indeed God. Amen. Pray on Mother's Day and always to the Lord of hosts. He hears your prayer. Would you please stand to receive a Mother's Day benediction? Stand to receive God's blessing. He tells us to bless one another in power in His name. So we'll do that this morning. This blessing, this blessing is from that blessing that Eli Ali gave to Hanan given her prayers so many years ago. So as you too, I hope, continue to pray, receive God's blessing. May you go in peace. Shalom. And may the God of Israel grant your petitions that you have asked of Him today on this Mother's Day and always until Jesus comes again. And all God's people said, Amen. Have a blessed Mother's Day, West Bowls Community Church. Hope to see you next week when we continue in the book of, oh, let me see, Acts. Yes. Have a great day. I love you guys. Drive safe.